Welcome back to another episode of the Hooper's Almanac. This week, Mitch and I are together in person. We're going to be recapping the week that was post-All-Star break and also flashing it back to some of the top players in the NBA 75 list and discussing whether or not we think they'd be as good today. Looking forward to today's episode. And before we get going, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. We are back at the Hooper's Almanac. It is, what is it, February 27th, Sunday. We are recording in person in St. Louis. Mitch, how are you doing? Well, I'm a lot happier that you're here in person with me. We were just talking, honestly. It's it's much, it feels a lot more authentic doing these in person than doing them over Zoom. Um, and so, yeah, the last time we were doing it, we were doing it at our friend Allie's place on her, in her bedroom. And so now we're doing it in my bedroom uh, down in, in, which with a little better setup. It's true. Well, Although we're thankful for Allie for letting us yeah. <laughs> use her bedroom on Halloween night while everybody else was preparing. That was, it was, it was a less than ideal situation, but we got the job done and happy to be here today. We are one week after all-star break. Right. Uh, we've had a few, a few, few games this past week that have piqued our interest, including mm-hmm. last night, a great game in the Nets Bucks on Saturday night, right. uh, came down to the wire, Kyrie Irving playing for the Nets on the road, got the job done, yeah. big win for the Nets. Um, but we're going to start out West Mitch and talk about some of the storylines that we're seeing post all-star break. One thing that came out right after we recorded last episode was Chris Paul was announced hurt and he's now probably going to be out. Yeah. uh, Yeah. What it looks like. And so, I mean, that gets us really close to the end of the year and you're right. No, it was honestly the worst timing because literally we, I finished editing the pod, send it over to you to listen to. And then of course that's when the Chris Paul stuff came out. So it was just like brutal timing. Um, But not only that, I mean, we have him being hurt. So we just got a bunch of injured players. I mean, especially from the, your contenders out West, uh, whether they're coming back or get, just getting hurt. I mean, you got, got you got Draymond who said who who came out this past week saying that he's gonna start ramping, getting back into like playing with the team uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, you also got Jamal Murray who's coming back fairly soon, and then very very great footage of Michael Porter Jr. shooting jump shots. Congratulations, you're shooting around. But yeah, the Nuggets look like they're gonna get their two other stars back too. Yeah, no, it's it's great news for the West. My three contenders, as you said, all trending in the right direction, except for the Suns. And- right. Although Devin Booker's really stepped up. We saw pre-Chris Paul what he could do as a ball distributor. Just right. Him being required to do a lot for that team. And he had 12 assists in his first game back. Mm-hmm. The second game back, they lost to the Pelicans. We talked about that before the game. We kind of liked the Pelicans in that game. Um, just as a, you know, the Suns had lost one game in a calendar month. So they were right. bound to slip <laughs> up at some point. Um, they played the Jazz today. It should be an interesting matchup. But are you concerned about the Suns? possibly losing ground in the Western conference and losing their grip on that number one seed with Chris Paul out. I think, I mean, there's definitely gonna be a few more losses headed that way, especially over these eight weeks. You're going to ask a lot of Devin Booker to be that, to dwindle down his scoring game, to pull up, to bring back up his passing game, to be more of a playmaker, which then that puts a lot more responsibility on a lot of other guys that does give you the opportunity to uh, incorporate your new guys more. I mean, who knows when Aaron holiday is going to be able to start playing for the Suns. Um, but whenever he can start playing from, that'll be huge. Um, the other thing is it also gives Mikhail Bridges uh, opportunity to show off 
am I worth this contract that you gave me in this offseason? Also gives DeAndre Ayton the opportunity to show off, hey, I can start making making myself worth it for this offseason whenever someone wants to try to sign me. So uh, this is this is going to be a great opportunity for those guys. I do semi-decently worry that it's going to get to their like these guys' heads. Like, okay, I have to show off so that way I can like show off that I can perform very well over the next few days and over the next few weeks just so that way like – Whenever something does, whenever Chris Paul does come back, we're not only in a good position as a team, but we also have to think, they are also thinking that, I mean, welcome to the NBA where players are not only thinking about the team, but some players are thinking about the team, but also a lot of thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. How can you like better yourself and put yourself in a better situation for the off season? And I think that's what some of these guys might be thinking about. I agree. Yeah. It, it just gives the bench guys and more role guys, more confidence if they're able to play well. Right. And then you have Chris Paul inserted into maybe a better, more confident team, even as, as, as hard as that sounds to say, right. Considering the way the Suns have played this year. I mean, it, it could definitely be a positive. The only thing you worry about is possibly the wear and tear on Devin Booker mm-hmm. being asked to be uh, doing so much here. But as you said, his scoring probably goes down. Yeah. Maybe he's able to just take a step back and play more of a facilitator role. And maybe that helps him rest up for the playoffs when he really needs to score more. I was also worried. I'm also slightly worried about just their defense, like how they're like thinking, like defensive minded. I mean, they're like the Suns aren't remind me, Aaron, how, how like high the Suns are like in the defensive rating. I feel like they're not even that high on the defensive rating side of things. Which you think, do you think? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, they just picked up Tory Craig, right. um, which was a huge defensive addition for them. DeAndre Ayton's a plus defender. Mikhail Bridges should be arguably a candidate for defensive player of the year. Talked about that last night. Jay Crowder's above average defender. Um, but just looking at their defensive rating here, the Suns are third in the, in the league. Okay. So yeah, losing Chris Paul, losing that, like the general, the floor general for your team is going to be, is going to be huge for their defense. Now it does mean that they're, and that might mean campaign and Devin Booker might get a little picked on a little bit more, but I mean, honestly, like you said, Mikhail Bridges, a freaking A-plus defender. You have DeAndre Ayton, who has shown off how good of a defender and how well he can move with guys who are smaller than him and still be able to defend them. Does get turned around a little bit here and there, but, I mean, still, I mean, those are the best guards who are turning him around. I mean, any B-level guard is not going to be turning DeAndre Ayton in circles. So I like what Ayton can provide for you on switches as well. And like you said, Jay Crowder, he he is a very streaky shooter, but what he doesn't, what he lacks in shooting the nights, he does make up for in his defense. And he's a good rebounder. So I mean, yeah, I, I I don't I'm not worried about as much the Suns' defense. I mean, Chris Paul is still a good defender who can rally the team and play great team team defense. But you know, he's not as quick as he once was in terms right. of staying in front of guys. If he gets onto a switch onto a guy like a Donovan Mitchell or Steph Curry, you know, it's not a great matchup for mm-hmm. him anymore. Um, I mean. Cameron Payne is out currently, so if they have a point guard sub in, it's probably going to be uh, Alfred Payton, who's a decent defender. Aaron Holiday could possibly get exposed on the defensive end of the floor. I was going to say. Um, so you still have that issue at point guard. You're not really sure who's going to get plugged in there, but it's possible they go big and just say, hey, Devin Booker, you're playing the one, and we're going to go the rest of the lineup with Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cameron Johnson, and mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton. And you don't have a guy shorter than 6'5 in that lineup. That's true. But I mean, even in those minutes when you're not playing Booker, it's going to be interesting how they how they maneuver that. Um, we talked about the another one of the contenders, the Warriors. We talked about like Draymond coming back and how like honestly, the Warriors, since Draymond's been out, the Memphis Grizzlies have had a better record set than the Warriors, and which has been crazy. But still, the 
Warriors have still stayed face, even with one of its top three players being out of the lineup. And it's incredible just to see how well they've done, even on the defensive end. I mean, I know they're number one in defensive rating right now. Um, and that's what like Draymond helps out when he's, I mean, he's their anchor on defense. So having him coming back will be huge. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Warriors can, can do until he comes back. Yeah. It's, I mean, they've, they've, they've sort of held the ship. Um, yeah, that's a great way to put it. And uh, I mean, they've, they've played a lot worse after that hot start at the beginning when they were out, even in front of the Suns. Mm-hmm. And the, if you remember the Suns started one in five yeah. this season and they have the best record in the NBA, uh, which is an insane. They went one in five and now are, are playing the way they did. I mean, if you break up the splits on that, they've been on an incredible streak and the, the Warriors are sort of the opposite where they started off, I think eight or eight, no, nine, no, something like that. He was eight. No. Yeah. And, and then they just won. They won almost every game. It felt like, um, and they were just unstoppable when Draymond was clicking on all cylinders. Right. Steph Curry was in the MVP conversation at that time playing out of his mind. Jordan Poole had nights where he was dropping 30 here and there. Yeah. Um, and the bench bench was playing great. Andrew Wiggins obviously was a starter in the all-star game. So we know, we know how deep that team is. Um, but I think with Clay coming back, it has helped alleviate some pressure off of Steph Curry, absolutely, um, which has been good for them. Albeit, I said on last episode, I haven't been super impressed with what Clay's done so far. I don't think he's been the elixir that they've been looking for, that a lot of people have been touting him as. Right. Um, and part of that is Draymond being out. Mm-hmm. So I think once Draymond comes back, at, sort of like you said uh, a couple of weeks ago with the Nets, like you need to see Kyrie Irving play in the regular season for at least two weeks consistently full time to be yeah. in on the nets. I'm that way for Draymond Green and back on that team. Cause with a back injury, you're not sure if that's going to be lingering. That's going to pop back up in the middle of the postseason. You need to see him healthy for a couple of weeks, get back with the team with Clay Thompson, who hasn't played a lot with this year and make sure they all work together before you have to face possibly the Los Angeles Lakers in the first <laughs> round. I mean, that's a, you know, we can say all we want about the Lakers being a bad team this year, but you don't want to see LeBron James and if Anthony Davis is playing, if Russell Westbrook is starting to play better, yeah. if that team is finally figuring it out, you don't want to see them in the first round if you have a semi-hurt guy in Draymond Green and a guy who's coming off a long-term injury in Clay Thompson. We can all say all we want about the Lakers, but they lost to the Clippers this weekend, so I really can't say much about that anyways. Um, but I totally agree with you. I mean, I and I I like that you're bringing up my comment I made about Kyrie about a few weeks ago. I mean, honestly, having him back, I mean, having Draymond back is one thing, but having them with the same chemistry they quote unquote had like two or three years ago, that is what's most important to this team. And, you know, having him back in the lineup, having him and Clay back in the lineup together, that's just what's going to be most interesting. Um, another two guys who are talking, who are coming back in the West for Western Conference team, you have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Um, I don't know if there's a timetable on either of these guys when they're coming back, but it does sound like we could see them before the playoffs. It's true. Michael Porter Jr. Uh, took to Instagram the other day and as one, as he usually does and replied to Isaiah Thomas, who recently dropped 45, 46 uh, for the Grand Rapids gold, the Nuggets G League affiliate for the millionth time. He's played great, and the Nuggets refused to sign him, and probably some other team will. <laughs> um, and MPJ commented and said, see you in a week. So either Isaiah Thomas is coming up, or more than likely, MPJ is going down to get ready. Um, and we, you're right, we do not have a timeline for Jamal Murray yet, but he has been traveling with the team, which is good news. Love it. Um, and just getting reintegrated into that schedule. And I, I'm very confident that we're going to see him as well before the regular season ends. 
similar to your thought. I think I'd love to see two weeks. Um, you know, a week is, is kind of quick. You're only going to get two or three games out of that at most. And by that point, your seating's pretty much set in stone. I mean, the West is tight after it falls off from the suns there. Mm -hmm. Only a few games separate most of those teams, two through six or seven. But, um, I would love to see two weeks of Michael Porter jr. And Jamal Murray. If you remember when the nuggets acquired Aaron Gordon from the magic last year, and everybody was healthy. Jamal Murray was healthy. MPJ, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Nicole Jokic. That team had like the highest plus minus. It was crazy. In, in the entire season over, what was it? A 10 game run or so. And yeah, Jamal if it was Murray less, it might've been even less than that, honestly. But, 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 they, but they looked fantastic. And a lot of people have talked about it, how this, you know, just even visually, not even on paper, they just looked like a different team. Mm-hmm. And that was the year after the Nuggets had gone to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. So I think there's potential there if we get, a good Jamal Murray and a good MPJ. I, I'm not going to hate on them if they're slow to get out of the gate, which they very well might be. Right. Uh, it's just a lot, especially asking Jamal Murray to come back and play at full strength right away and expect him to be the guy who dropped 50 in the bubble against the Jazz. So I, I'm at, at the very least, I'm very hopeful to see less right. of Facundo Campazzo and other guys and both. <laughs> welcome back my stars alongside Nicole Jokic. Well, the other thing is, is like, so you, they the Nuggets have five games in April, and so you know you gotta like I I like to look forward to it. Like all right, can I get eight games of these guys together? And especially it's a little different than what Chris Paul and uh, Draymond because these guys those two players have played uh, during this season. MBJ was playing earlier this year, but then again, how long? I mean, he's been out for what three months, two or three months at this point. So if we get Jamal and Jamal Murray hasn't played a second of this season, so if we can get at least almost eight to 10 games with those two guys together, you get Murray coming back second last week of March. That makes it a lot easier. I feel like for them. And also, like we said, I mean, I always go with the two week mark. How, how well can you guys play with two weeks? But I mean, with this, this might be a little different situation. If I can get a double digit amount of games with you guys together, kind of get your rhythm back going together. Um, because like you said, we're not going to get 50 point Jamal Murray. If we do, Love it. Awesome. Great. Um, but even still, I mean, with how much of an impact Nicole Jokic is gonna has had on this team this year, how much um how much Jamal Murray can kind of alleviate from that when it comes to the score as a scoring option, it'll be super important for them just moving forward. Agreed. And one thing we're we're looking at as we wind down the regular season is the strength of schedule of these teams and the Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies out west of playoff contenders, as well as the Dallas Mavericks have some of the easiest strength of schedules going forward for the rest of the year. The Phoenix Suns also have a relatively easy strength of schedule. One team to note that has a very difficult strength of schedule is the Golden State Warriors out West. And I mean, there is, if you want to gain ground and get that one seed, it's going to be a difficult road for the Warriors, particularly without Draymond Green. So excited to see how the West shakes out here in the coming weeks and excited to see what these final matchups are post-playing game um but mitch let's kick it out east we have a few teams to talk about post all-star break that have caught our eye one being or two being the 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 members of which that giant trade was out east in the nets and the sixers what have you seen from both those teams so far well so the first game the nets came back they had no one i mean they had andre drummond finally playing but kyrie irving was and against the celtics that was that thursday right i mean when everyone was playing um, wasn't a lot going on. I mean, the Nets got killed against the Celtics. So love that whenever I can just throw that in there. But what we did notice, I mean, last night when they played the Bucks, was how important it is to have a guy like Kyrie Irving playing in a game. 
um, and how important bringing in Andre Drummond was for this team. Uh, I mean, Andre Drummond was a beast on the boards last night. I mean, he was he had a double double against the Bucks, which we talked about as being such an important part of bringing in a guy like Andre Drummond. Um, so when you talk about the Nets, I mean, Drummond had seventeen and twelve last night against the the, the Bucks, um, and also having Kyrie over thirty points in a game, and that's getting him integrated back into it all. Um, like we talked about, I mean, honestly, if the 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 uh, mask mandate or the vaccine mandate in New York is lifted, um, that if it can be done within the last two weeks of the year, that gives them a great opportunity just to kind of get it going. Sounds like we're going to get KD back in a few weeks too, or if not next week, uh, which would be huge. And it sounds like Ben Simmons could be back by the third, second, third week of March. Um, so if we can get all three of those guys going together, plus with its additions of Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, uh, I think he'll be super important to this team. I agree on the Andre Drummond point specifically. I think I was a lot higher on him than most people I heard talk right. about the situation. Everybody was like, wow, Seth Curry, that's a huge addition, which I agree. They needed shooting. Joe Harris hasn't played in months. And it doesn't sound like he play, he'll play for the rest of the year. And that's that's okay, I think. I mean, Joe Harris had a shitty playoffs last year, if you remember. Oh, I remember. was unreliable, and they replaced him with a better shooter, in my opinion, Patty Mills, mm-hmm. who can do a lot more than shoot. And a guy in Seth Curry who can also do a lot more than shoot. He proved himself last year in Philly in the playoffs to be that second guy after Embiid. Yeah. Um, and was fantastic in the Hawks series as well as their opening round series against the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyrie Irving looked fantastic. 38 last night. Some of the points came at the end of the game in what was a 21-minute uh, final minute of game time in that Nets-Bucks game. Which we is had two of those this week. We had two of those like more than 21-minute. Like we had the... What was it the Lakers Clippers game that went over like 20 minutes in the last like yep. minute and a half or whatever it was? And then we had that game last night. I mean, fix the fix the replays first off. That's one thing. But yeah. I heard, I mean, Richard Jefferson kept saying it. We need a time clock on all these replays. I'm like, well, okay, kill it, Richard. Um, but still, either way, I, I feel like if if you're figuring it out, give me like a five minute, like five to five minute, like play clock on like figuring out the replay. But then going from there, yeah, I mean, whatever. But, anyways. They look good. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. And part of that was Nets Bucks coaching strategy as well. There were a myriad of substitutions, a lot of uh, intentional fouls by the Brooklyn Nets, either hacking Drew Holiday, who choked at the line repeatedly. Giannis choked at the line repeatedly. Um, I mean, Drew Holiday was four for eight, four from eight from the line. Uh, Let's just look at some of the free throw stats here. The the Bucks shot 65.8%. The net shots 75.8%. And the difference was they both made the same amount of free throws, but the Bucks just took five more and missed those shots. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you had opportunities to capitalize on that five, extra five shots mm-hmm. and they lost by three. So that, so that would have been the difference in the game right there. Um, the Bucks, they had a great performance from all of their stars, basically, except for at the line in close situations with Drew Holiday. But right. Bobby Portis stepped up and had a 30-piece Giannis had 29. Chris had some big shots in 25. Yeah. And Holiday had 19 as almost, well. Almost fulfilling my role of the three guys over 20. Um, of course, like there's like the uh, big exception of it all, of course, if, if like the Nets win. So that's just like my biggest. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I was totally going to bring up your role. I couldn't remember who it was three or four. It's three guys over 20, but like it was, they almost had four. However, the difference in the game was the fact that Kyrie Irving decided to just ruin that for me. <laughs> and we were, we were talking about this live as Kyrie Irving, besides some of those inflated free throw numbers at the end, he only had three free throws toward the end of that game had 30 plus points. And I was saying how much, how 
impressed I am by that, considering he's not playing every game, right. you know, getting in a rhythm. You're able to drop 38 on a guy probably is guarding you and Drew Holiday. Right. Wesley Matthews is a good defender. You know, there are lots of defenders that can throw at you in Milwaukee. And he's not relying on free throws like guys like James Harden and Joel Embiid. I mean, we saw Joel Embiid like two for nine from the field, but he had 20 points. It's like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, it is so impressive when you can score without getting to the line and Kyrie Irving has shown to do that. I mean, he's still, I believe, maybe the best best ball handler in the NBA. Mm. And if Katie's back, which we think he might be within a week or two, mm-hmm. I I am very bullish on the Nets and their chances out east, albeit they're going to have a difficult road, most likely based on their seating. Right. That, and that will be difficult, especially if they're not going to be playing starting every series at home. Um, but it will be impressive just to kind of see. Uh, how they do um, on the other side of the, that big Harden trade, the team that got James Harden, uh, they've played one game so far uh, and it was against it. Yeah, I mean, it's a good test for you. You're going up against the, you're going up against the Timberwolves who are a playing team in the West. Uh, they're the nice thing about it is they're not like an incredibly good defensive team by any means. Um, you had cat guarding Embiid most of the night. Um, Aaron, how many free throws did Harden and Embiid take in total together? Well, I'm going to do some quick math. They took 22 free throws. And let me tell you, and they, I think there was what, like 14 in the first quarter? Yep. It was ridiculous. And thank God they calmed down a little bit with the refs. But uh, if you want to watch, I mean, these are two of the best offensive talents in the NBA. They're also two of the best like actors in the NBA, and it, it really shows. I mean, Embiid has his like little up, like swing around his arms, move and just go up with it because he catches every like big man defender's arms down on him, so, and it works. Sure, and it's going to get called every time. It is very frustrating because it happens to every time to Al Horford and Daniel Tice whenever they're guarding him. But like, still, I mean, it's very it's a great move. You got James Harden. Um, I also don't. I also think. Um, Refs are, are are back to calling uh, the fouls a little bit more now. Uh, they're 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 a little less. Um, how do I say, lenient or maybe that's not the right word for it. But like they're more open to calling fouls as it, rather than they were earlier on in the season. And so, um, I'm missing the more rough and tough game that we were getting earlier on this year. But yeah. especially with a, a team that's full of with James Harden and Joel Embiid on it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, his if you look at like the game log, I mean, the free throw attempts have definitely gone up, but over the course of the season, his free throw attempts are still very much down right. from last year. I think up last year was up near 10. Mm-hmm. This year he's down near around seven, seven and a half. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they still have gone down, which is good, but, um, and also that's been in fewer games. So I think, you know, he has been out for quite a while. So that average is even somewhat more impressive um, considering the sample size, but I agree. I mean, this team's going to live at the line. The big question for me is, can they space the floor and when they space the floor, knock down the big shots that they need to last night, they did, they shot 48.7% from three point range. Yeah. I mean, 19 threes. I mean, that is, it's hard to beat a team with that. And uh, it just, yeah. Like you said, just under 50% is so impressive. Yeah. I mean, you had Joel Embiid knocking down three triples, uh, Tyrese Maxey hitting two, Danny green, hitting two George Niang hitting one. I mean, you had some, uh, probably some, some BS threes toward the end of that game. Let me see my Isaiah Joe though. Um, Furkan Korkmaz, you know, guys like that. But at the very least, if they can space the floor, Matisse Thibel's one guy who's probably going to be asked to shoot shots. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to some of those older Thunder teams when you had Andre Roberson, Tabo Sefalosha. Yeah. You just help off that guy who they're sitting in the corner and you say, all right, make 
four threes and beat me because I'm going to double a Russell Westbrook or a James Harden or a KD if he's driving to the lane. And I yeah. think that's going to be part of the strategy. You either double and beat in the post mm-hmm. off of one of those guys like Matisse Thibel, or you double off of James Harden. And I, I think that could be a successful strategy. I I agree with you about the comparison of Andre Roberson and um, – Tabo Cephalosian. I think he's a better version though than those guys. I, I maybe not as much as Tabo, but I mean, in a, when it comes to shooting wise, Roberson's a better. Def- I think Roberson's a little bit of a better defender back in those days when than Tabo uh, Th- so far. Tabo's been an incredible defender. Don't get me wrong. I mean, second team All Defense last year, um, but still, I, I think Tabo. I mean, I don't know what his shooting numbers are this year. Twenty-eight point seven. I take it back. Ignore <laughs> me, and I'm wrong. So I I, I agree with you now. Uh, after reading more and more about it, so <laughs> I, I think it will be. It, it is a great strategy. Then he, he has gone down every year. The only thing that's gotten better offensively has been his free throw percentage up to seventy-two. He shot forty-four percent last year from the line. I, but how many? T- I couldn't tell you how many times. He yeah, I mean, I mean not much, but still, forty-four <laughs> percent is insane. Um, low. So I mean, just <laughs> literally let Matisse Thybul beat you. If he's going to make five threes, he's not going to do that more than twice in a series. Absolutely. Not. Uh, I mean, it's easier said than done. At the end of the day, you're going to have guys rotating to the open shooter, and right. just by it by habit, and then you're going to end up with guys like Tyrese Maxey or even James Harden getting open threes. Or Tobias Harris. And it's hard to stop Tyrese or uh, James Harden or Embiid, even if they're double covered. They're, they're just that good, and they're going to get foul calls more than likely and go into guys' bodies. So it's, you know, there's not going to be an easy solution to stop them, but I think teams have to start somewhere, and that's a place to start. Another yeah. team, Mitch, unless you have any final thoughts on the Sixers. The only other thing was the Tobias Harris numbers. I mean, two of nine from the field was uh, pretty disgusting to look at. And if we're talking about Mr. Star, Tobias Harris, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty rough showing. I will walk that back. He is falling down our top 10 power forwards as we speak. All right, cool. Then we're good. Toronto Raptors, a power forward that I was remiss in including is Pascal Siakam. And maybe maybe that's holding true. I, I disagree about where you go. I disagree about the Siakam take, but I will agree with where you're going with this. The Toronto Raptors have lost two in a row. They are sitting at the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. And I think they're fake news, to use a quote from our former president here in the United States. Um, the Toronto Raptors might be fake news, Mitch. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I They're a very young team. They have a, I mean, their main, their best player is Fred Van Vliet, who might be gone at the end of the year, unless, well, and yeah, probably not. They're probably the Raptors usually loves him, so we probably will keep him. Uh, Scotty Barnes, probably their second or third best player behind Siakam or with Siakam. Um, and OG Anadobi. I mean, they're they're a very unorthodox team. They have one of the best coaches in the NBA. I, I mean, I we talked about it at the end of like the top 10, our top 10 lists uh, when it came to coaches. I'll I love hate Chris, uh, Nick Nurse because he's a great coach, but boy, does he just want to whine about everything on earth. Um, so I I think this team is in a good – I mean, it's doing very well for what it has. Um, its starting five is very good, but everything else is just really annoying, and it, and it's not great. The trade for Thad Young for Goran Dragic was very – Weird to me. I feel like they could have gotten a lot more out of that. Um, but maybe the also the thought process of Goran Dragic is leaving anyway. So what the heck? Um, so I I like their starting five. Everything else makes me really just confused about what they're doing. Yeah, and and their their calling card is their defense. Right. And the last two games have let up 127 points and 125 points. Not I mean great. Those are two good offenses in the Hornets and the Hawks. I'll, I'll give them that. But at the same time, you're scoring 100 or fewer points. You're just getting blown out of the water. And you need to play good defense if you're that team. You can't 
you can't expect the Raptors offense to score 110 every single night. I mean, they're going to barely get over the 100-point mark, except on a very hot shooting night from a Van Vliet or a great game from Pascal Siakam. You're going to need to play great defense in the playoffs. That's how you're going to win games. And when you look at the standings right now, they're playing the Chicago Bulls. Mm -hmm. They have a huge size advantage against the Bulls. Uh, They don't have a true center, which is what the Bulls struggle against, but they have size and defense all across at every position. Right. But they're not going to be able to keep up with the Bulls offense at full strength. DeMar DeRozan going against his former team in Toronto will be fun to watch. Zach Levine, even Vooch. I mean, three very good offensive players. I think that's an easy matchup for the Bulls that they should win in six at the very most. Um, And yeah, I mean, that would be a great situation for the Bulls. One team that was outside of your contenders list was on mine. I think that's a perfect storm for them if they're going to make a run. Yeah, honestly, if well, I mean they they're in the playing game right now. They'll probably as of, if the state if the playoffs would start today and the playing game was happening, they lose to the Nets. I mean that's without a doubt in my mind. I think they lose to the Nets. They they match up poorly because then again, like you said, they don't have a true big man. Pascal Siakam's been starting big man for them. Precious Chua isn't anything great. And I've already spoken about Kevin Birch way too many times on this podcast. Um, so uh, any so Andre Robinson, oh, Andre Robertson, Andre Drummond out rebounds them. Um, and then you got either the Hawks or the Hornets who just shellacked them both. One of those two is going to, I don't even think they make the playoffs at this point with the, with the playing game scenario. I don't think the Raptors are making the playoffs. It could, it could, it could happen. I mean, they're, they're on the downturn. Uh, who knows? Maybe even the wizards will surpass them with the way oh, Kyle Kuzma's playing, albeit they didn't close out last night, but um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's a possibility. I think the Raptors maybe turn it around and win some tight games like they've done all year. Regardless, if they're in the playoffs, I think they're going to be an easy matchup for one of those top seeds. When we're talking about the top teams, Mitch, we talked contenders last week. You had a shorter list than I, five teams in all. I had nine teams in all. Wild. Are you reconsidering any teams that you left off? Nets are the only team I'm reconsidering. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, the Sixers are not being added to my list. I, um, I think it's a lot harder to defend guys who like Kyrie and KD than it is to game plan for a team like the Sixers when they have Embiid and Harden. I think they're of the teams that are in the, I mean, in the playoffs right now, the Bucks could, I think could defend the Sixers. Well, I think the Celtics could defend the Sixers. Well, I think the heat could defend the Sixers. Well, those are the three teams that I think could play the Sixers a lot better and a lot of the teams that they've been playing so far. The Timberwolves were not a were a good starting point for them to kind of see what they could do. But the Heat, I mean, you, the, we've t- my whole philosophy is going up against a team that has Joel Embiid, make sure you have a bunch of big bodies to throw at them, which the Heat have. They have Bam, they have Deadman, they have Yurt Seven, who my guy, I love you. Can you be the next T- Tago Cephalosha for me on any 2K game? Or not Tago Cephalosha, um, Tago Splitter. Gosh, I'm getting everything wrong today. Um, but those are the like that's three guys you can throw at them if you need to. Even PJ Tucker can just be annoying if you need him to be. Um, when you look at the Bucks, I mean Sergi Baca is a guy who can just add on to that list of throwing, and you have Giannis and and uh Bobby Portis. Celtics have their three guys in Horford, Williams, and Tice. That's what's so important. You just have a myriad of different guys, a rotating cast of guys to throw at them. Will they be able to stop him from going over 30 points? Probably not, but still it's it's a lot more energy that he's having to exert rather than the three guys who are going to have to be given up a lot of more energy to go up against them. 
The Nets worry about me. The, the Nets worry me if they have to go against the Sixers in that facet. But the other things, I think that the Nets are in a much much better situation defensively, rebounding after that trade for Ben Simmons and and Andre Drummond and also Seth Curry. I like them a lot more than where the Sixers are at. So my list is now going up to six rather than five. But that's that's the only team I'm adding to my list. All right. Well, I, I appreciate you adding at least one team. Um, I'm w- I'm with you maybe. On the Nets, for sure. I think I'm more emboldened. I'm moving them into my top four of teams who I, I the upper echelon of my top six contenders. I think right. they've added, they've moved up to the Celtics, Bucks, and Heat tier, especially what I've seen from Kyrie Irving, right. from Seth Curry, and from Andre Drummond. And I'm not worried about KD coming back. Nope. I, he's shown he can come back from injuries and play just as well as he has in the past two years. So I think KD's going to come back and line up flawlessly. You have the question mark of Ben Simmons, um, which I'm not sure about. But even I think without Ben Simmons, I think that team's really good. So I was going to say, the old, uh, Ben Simmons is coming in there and he's going to play defense. He's going to pretty much just roll, fill the James Johnson role at this point, honestly. If and Aaron and I were like worried about what James Johnson can do for your team, but honestly, like he's not terrible. I mean, he's showed off his defense last night. Ben Simmons is just a better version of James Johnson uh, when it comes to defensively and rebounding and playmaking. James Johnson just might be a little bit better of a score. So that's my only that James Johnson might have that edge on that. <laughs> I do have a hot take though. Oh, uh, my contenders list has not changed. I know I had, Figured. you know, nine is nine is a lot. I was just going through the, every possibility that I could see happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting on my Brandon Stark hat, my three eyed Raven hat. Hate that. And I'm thinking through all the different scenarios ahead of time that can happen. And I think there's, there's a scenario that one of those nine teams can win the finals. I oh, think, I think that's I, I true for all that. of those nine teams, including the bulls, including the nuggets. Now I have changed my NBA finals pick. What the, the Phoenix Suns are still winning the finals, but it will be over the Miami Heat instead of the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, so we're keeping this still like we we've had the same two like Eastern Conference teams mentioned the entire year. Then there's been the two Western Conference teams too. I like I don't mind that pick. I I don't mind the you moving the Heat up in there. I didn't like what I see saw from the Bucks last night. They've lost two in a row. They're five and five from their last ten. Giannis has looked great. I mean, we talked about it. They almost had four guys in 20, up in 20 points or more. Bobby Portis has been fantastic for them all year. Grayson Allen. Overachieving, if to say the least. Grayson Allen's been a great addition for them. Uh Uh, Still don't have Pat Content back. Hopefully he comes back uh, before regular season's end. We're not sure about his timetable. I just don't like what I see them, you know, from a visual standpoint, whether it's their being able to rally at the free throw line mm-hmm. or emotionally feeling emotionally drained from last year. I mean, you, you think about the miles that have been put on Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. They played the Olympics a few days after, um, you know, the NBA finals. So did Devin Booker. So, I mean, we, we can't discount that. Right. Um, and Devin Booker has is, is looked great. So I, I like the sun still despite that. So I understand that contradiction, but there's just more players in the Bucks that have, have been in that scenario. There's been so much wear and tear on Giannis's body. And I, I just think the Heat have become really rejuvenated over the past couple of games. I've loved what I've seen from Bam Adebayo offensively. Mm-hmm. And that's the big calling card for them is we, you know you're going to get 15 a night from him. You know you're going to get great defense. You can guard every single position. But can he have that confidence? To say, all right, I'm going to have five or six possessions here in crunch time where I'm going to be the guy who's going to take the shot. Mm-hmm. That's been Jimmy Butler. And as much as I love Jimmy Butler, I don't know if I know. I 
I'm not sure if I want him taking every single crunch time shot in the fourth quarter, no. given his shooting ability. I like Tyler Harrow, but at the same time, I'm not sure if I want him being my clutch guy either. I would love to see Bam Adebayo step up offensively, and I think he's done so. I like the heat out east. I, I'm going to push back on the Tyler Hero clutch thing because I think he's been their best quote-unquote scorer for them this year, um, and that's off the bench too. And he's played such an important role for them. If They, they usually end the game with him in that, that closing lineup, and he's been important for them to close games. Um, but back to the Bucks real quick um, and switching your pick for them. Pat Connington's out for four more weeks, um, so we'll see him mid-March at the, at the, late, at the earliest, um, it sounds like. The difference for the Bucks this year, which was different for them last year, is their depth. Their depth is is has been just weirdly depleted for me, and I hate that because Brook Lopez has proven shown that his, missing Brook Lopez is apparently bigger than I would have expected. Um, he's been a he was a bigger body downloaded to like threat to uh, good offensive big men. Um, and Bo- don't get me wrong, I like Bobby Portis, but he's not like you're he's not going to be as strong as uh, Brook Lopez. I mean the Nets. I mean the. Bucks last night in their game against the Nets only had 13 bench points, and it was from Serge Ibaka and um, who was the other guy? DeAndre Bembry. Thank or no, you. sorry, Wesley Matthews. Okay, makes a lot more sense. I was like, if Bembry scored before Matthews, we have bigger. Oh wait, Matthews said that three like near the end of the game, anyways. But so that makes a lot more sense. Um, but that's like that's it, and we're trusting old crusty Ibaka and uh, Wesley Matthews to like be uh, be important for you guys. Um, I I am so mad or like sad that Drogic didn't end up there because that would have been such a great point guard and the Nets ended up with him. Uh, granted, like we didn't see a lot of Drogic last night. I mean, it was, it was very minimal from what we did get. Uh, but my point, I, I, their bench is just what's going to be hurting them in the playoffs. And I worry that that's, what's going to really just like deplete their chances. Um, that's why I, I'm, that's why I'm still heat warriors uh when it comes to like my finals pick i'm still sticking to that warriors pick until uh draymond comes back and proves me wrong were you not on bucks warriors last week aaron it's an it's an always changing uh thing for me whenever it's the heat and this week it's switched to the heat as we go uh, as we can go into this next week of the nba season yeah i mean i i I agree with you on the depth point i like the heat's heat's depth a lot more oh my gosh Your, your top stars are worse offensively than the bucks but I have concerns about the way that Mike Budenholzer is handling some of the rotations here. I'll mean you both. You're putting 36 minutes, 36 minutes, 36 minutes, 39 minutes on your starters here, minus Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen's not playing crunch time for them. Uh, I mean, Wesley Matthews did come up with a big three. Mm-hmm. He played pretty good defense on Kyrie Irving most of the time. I'm with you there. I, I would rather have Grayson Allen, I think, in crunch time. Yeah. Considering he was plus 20, plus <laughs> minus when he played, albeit he only had seven points. Uh, he just spaces the floor. I, I just really like him there. Um, but I, I, and I'm i also more high in Ibaka. But the rest of their guys, Jordan Wara should be getting a lot more minutes than seven minutes and one three-point shot. Well, when you're comparing him to not playing – when you're playing him over DeAndre Bembry – or sorry, DeAndre Bembry over him, that's what just bothers me. And also when you don't have Pat Connaughton, you need to fill that second shooter. I mean, oh, my gosh. Because yeah. you're going to play Matthews regardless. So then you're missing a guy in Pat Connaughton. Put in Nuora there. He's had fantastic games for them this year mm-hmm. where he's had double digits, even 20 points some games. Mm-hmm. I really like what he brings to them, and he's also got some size. So I think Nuora needs to get more minutes. They just picked up Javon Carter. He's going to get worked in there. Uh, he's he's all right. You know, a good defender, fine ball handler. He's going to get you get your bench unit going. DeAndre Bembry is what he is. But I, I really think Nuora needs to be playing more minutes and take some – 
minutes off of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. I, I think that's one of the solutions, and you also need to figure out how to get Giannis rested up before the playoffs because last night he did look a little tired. He shot six threes, which is always a gauge of how tired Giannis is. Right. We saw multiple pull-up triples with 20 seconds left in the shot clock. I understand it, Giannis. I, I understand why you're doing it. But in those scenarios, just why not just pass it and just take a possession off? I'd almost rather have that than a low percentage three. Yeah, me and you are on the same page of that. Um, I also just don't understand. I, I'm also with you on the Grayson now and why isn't he closing out games rather than Wesley Matthews. Like you said, Wesley Matthews is probably a better defender, but even Grayson Allen can still like defend guys uh, decently well. It's it's a B minus C plus effort. Out. I mean, a defensive uh, guy gives the effort though. Still, um, I don't know. I I I have many questions about this Bucks team. I'm just like they're like how they're gonna like kind of finish off the season. I mean, um, their depth is just what really truly worries me. And another another reason why I switched my pick is I think the way I project the seating to happen here. I'm not sure if the Cavaliers stayed the four spot. If, They're falling. If, if the Bucks move up to the four, or the and if they match up with the Cavs in the first round, I mean that's a good matchup for them. Mm-hmm. Let's not get it wrong. I love what the Cavs have been doing, but I think the Bucks beat them very easily. Now, if you have a Celtics Bucks matchup, that's a very interesting matchup, and I I, I think the that. Celtics could give them a run for their money. Oh, they would, but they would still it would be many many heartbreaks and many heartaches in my life. If, if not, me. even if they don't. You give them a great series, six or seven games. Right. Then you turn around. If you're a four or five matchup, you probably got to play the Heat. Yeah, pro- probably got to play the Heat. Or, or, the, ball, or the Bulls. But or the Bulls. Be the heat. Or if you fall to a six seed, then you play maybe the Sixers in the first round. I mean, that is not a great matchup. On the, on the other side, I think the Nets, who are currently slated at the eight seed, either win that first playing game, as Absolutely. you said, you move up to the seven, then you, you're winning, you're in. Or... Um, the Raptors just fall to the eighth seed or the Hornets or the Hawks fall to the eighth seed. If the Heat are able to maintain that one line, you have a really easy matchup first round, whereas the Bucks have a difficult matchup in the first round, and then they maybe play each other in the second round. That means a lot. If the Heat can sweep a team, we saw how meaningful that was for the Bucks last year. They yep. swept the Heat, and then they look fantastic against the Nets, albeit they got some injury luck. I'm not going to discount that. Kevin Durant looked fantastic. But the Bucs were consistent throughout that whole series. They yep. played great. Giannis played amazing. And that's really important for the Heat, um, which are going to play you very physically, yep. as are the Celtics. I mean, that's two of the best defensive teams in the NBA, back-to-back series. Two of also the more foul-prone teams in the NBA, as we discovered this weekend when we did way too much research into the NBA. Um, but I totally agree with you. The what would, what would really hurt you, and I know it would, is the Nets playing as the seventh seed against the Bulls. And that would really give you so much pain. I know it to be true. It would. <laughs> it would. That 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 would be that would be a very tough matchup for the Bulls. And um, a very worst case scenario for you. Yeah, it would. Um, I mean, it would be a star-studded, star-studded series. I would have to take the Nets in that. I think they'd actually be favorites in that series, which is saddening. Albeit the United Center would be a tough place to play. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think the Heat have a great home court advantage too. Absolutely. They're totally 20 and seven at home this year. Wild to me. Wow to me. All right. Well, that was it for our contender talk. We're going to be right back. We're going to come back with some NBA 75 and like more of a can they play in today's game kind of idea. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
We are back from a quick break here at the Hooper's Almanac. We are actually going to do a new segment. Uh, it's, we thought about it. We talked about it earlier on this year, uh, just doing it. But finally, after the All-Star break, like in the honoring of the NBA 75, we thought it would be just the best time to do it now. Uh, we talked about it, and it's can these NBA 75 players play in today's game? And let me give a little bit of a reference to it. These aren't going to be your number one guys on your team. They could be, sure. But these are going to be like, could you? they be like in your starting five on a NBA contending team? Um, there's a lot of different creative names. We didn't we, – what we decided to do this time was do guys who are bigger names and more notable names than people would probably know. And there's – where you started with kind of like the late 60s, 70s, 80s like time right now. We'll go into a little – it might be something we do more often – we wanted to do something like this just because one, give the respect to the guys who were on the NBA 75, but two, also talk about how well they could have played and how well they, how good of players they were in the NBA and how important they were to NBA history. Um, and the first guy we wanted to kind of talk about was a guy who was kind of a traveler who's played on a bunch of uh, different teams at the seventies and the early eighties had some injury issues, but won two titles, Bill Walton. Bill Walton, uh, one of his first title was one at league MVP with the Trailblazers, went on to play for some clip, Clippers, had some knee issues, ended up being a guy who was on the Celtics team as their sixth man and was a, an important role to their big piece in the Celt- for the Celtics in the mid-80s. Aaron, answer the question, could Bill Walton have been a starter in today's NBA? I think he could. I think his parallels right now, are Nikola Jokic and DeMontis Sabonis. Love it. Those two guys, obviously DeMontis Sabonis, one of his his father, Arvidas Sabonis, Love it. was a fantastic player for the Portland Trailblazers as well, similar to Bill Walton. A bit bulkier build, but a fantastic passer. Um, uh, he could also score as well and play decent defense, just like Walton, but their, their most prominent skill is their passing for their size. And I think he could mirror a guy like Nikola Jokic and Sabonis today, so I certainly think he could play. I agree with you. Well, Bill Walton, the first thing you need to know, I mean, the, if for any of these guys, they're all, he's an MVP. He was an MVP at some point. Yes. It was during the late seventies, which is probably the second worst, like five year stretch of the NBA. You can compare it to the early two thousands, which was also just a tough year in the NBA, uh, tough part of the NBA history, but he was one of the best. He was the, the best player in the NBA. Yes, he had some injury issues that really put him out for a few years. Um, you have him. Uh, he, if they didn't, if he didn't get hurt the next year after they won the title, they probably would have repeated, and it wouldn't have been the Sonics and the the Wizards in the finals that next year. It would have probably been the Trailblazers, and it was he was such an important part of that team. Uh, he also was he while he was an incredible scorer, like you said, his passing ability was non. It was incredible. One of the best passers in the NBA, especially at his size. Um, you talk about what guys like Larry Bird and Kevin McHale all talk about how he had the eyes in the back of his head with how just well he could see the floor as a big man, which is so important. And you talk about his defense. Yeah, he wasn't a, he wasn't like a stellar defensive player, but he he worked so hard on his defensive ability. He wanted to be that guy in the Celtics Lakers series to go up against Kareem and stop him. Uh, he that was his entire job on the Trailblazers when it was just Kareem in the late seventies on the on the Lakers. That was his entire job to beat him. Plus there was the UCLA rivalry of these guys. I mean, Kareem was before Walton and Walton wanted to show off the show off that he was the better UCLA player. 
did Bill Walton forget that Kareem has the most points of all time? Maybe just a little bit, but that's totally okay. Bill Walton totally could have played in today's NBA. He could have definitely fit in as a center who you could have not ran your offense through, but could have definitely been a facilitator within that offense, been a playmaker in that offense. So I definitely agree with you. He could be a starter on a contender in today's NBA. And you look at his numbers, like we talk about his passing ability, his career high for passing assists per game was five. Mm-hmm. Think about Nicole Jokic and the numbers he right. gets. I mean, he has 16 tri- triple doubles this year. He's like top 10 in assists in the NBA. Fantastic. I mean, and that's Bill Walton's MVP year. It was a different game back then for yeah. sure, but five assists versus what Jokic is averaging is still just shows you, puts in context how great Nicole Jokic is. So I think when reflecting on past players and figuring out whether they can play in today's NBA also illuminates how good the players we have in today's NBA are. Absolutely. And Walton is just the kind of, he's a great precursor to the next guy we have to list. It's another bill. And it's one of my favorite players just to look back at history on is Bill Russell. Um, Bill Russell all along, I mean, 14, 13 years Celtic won 11 championships, won eight in a row. Uh, Yeah. The people, people will say Bill Russell went up only against 10 teams. Congrats. He was the, and he was the best player in the sixties and late seventies. Um, he's the first black coach to ever win an NBA title as a coach. And he did it as a player coach. Um, and he, he deserves all the record and the recognition that he gets. He is one of the best defenders in NBA history. And I will stand by that. Um, but Bill, Aaron, I will start with this. Bill Russell, could he be an, could he be a starter in today's NBA? He could, um, you would have to have the right situation where you have great scores at the guard position. Mm -hmm. But he could essentially be a better situation of the Jazz's the way they play Rudy Gobert, Mm. Um, where it's just this man is a pure defender. He's a fantastic rebounder. He's going to anchor our defense, and we're not going to let him off the floor despite playing in a game that's played on the perimeter. And you're just going to anchor the paint. Nobody's going to get in there. He's going to rebound everything offensively and defensively, and you're going to need a guy who can score on the wing. He just can't really play a big offensive role. That's that's going to be the, the, the caveat. The games just play differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he could very well play in today's NBA. You need the team around him, but he could be that starting defensive five who wins defensive player of the year after defensive player of the year award. He could do that year in and year out. And mm-hmm. I think he's obviously a better version of Rudy Gobert. Um, and the way he approaches the game from an attitude perspective certainly carries over today. Right. His toughness, I think, is something that few players have in today's NBA. And I think certainly he could play in today's NBA. There's this mentality of do you there's like this idea of do you have it? Like, do you have that mentality to play in the NBA? Do you have that idea of like I know what like I need to do to win a t- championship? Bill Russell was never the top scorer on any of his championship teams. It was either Halichuk, Kuzi, or uh, Sam Jones, or and it was one of those three guys. He was in, and he knew that he knew what he needed to do to be an NBA champion. And yet he's still known as one of the best players without being one of the best scorers. He, his best matchup, and he was going up against one of the best big men in the NBA in Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain and in some of those titles and in some of those Eastern Conference finals. Um, he is the reason that we uh, start taking block numbers. They started to take block numbers. There's this, some, some great, Love, lovely NBA historians went back and watched uh, whatever games that they have available of Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain. And Bill Russell would be would have, was averaging like six to seven blocks a game during those like those seasons in the 60s. 
he's not known for his scoring, but he has this it factor of like, okay, I know what I need to do. It's very much of a Draymond-esque kind of deal. He does, he know he can't be the scorer, but what he can do, make plays for other people. No, he uh, rebound with, uh, with reckless abandon and also just defend and be that anchor. The other thing is underrated could guard, I mean, of course, he was 60s, could stay in front of guards and still be that guy who could move. If you watch any of his highlights from back then, you can see how well he can move and how quick he was and how good he was to just be able to be at 6'9 as a center. Could be a very much of a small ball center in today's NBA. I totally agree with you. Could be a center in today's NBA. Arguably one of the best rebounders of all time, second all time behind Walt Chamberlain, who's yeah. just a stat sheet stuffer. But when you look at his rebounding numbers, I mean, he averaged over 20 almost every single season. Yep. 20 rebounds in a game. Wild. I mean, the pace at which they played and the terrible shots they took played into that. Yeah. Um, certainly. But that is still an insane, insane stat just to think about in today's NBA averaging 23 or 24.7 rebounds per game. He could play in today's NBA. Uh, he is a... Rudy Gobert is a Aldi version of Bill Russell to, to the that. greatest extent in Aldi version. If not like an outdoor Aldi that you have to pay $20 to use a cart and you don't get your money back. That is what Rudy Gobert is for Bill Russell. Um, he could play in today's NBA. Certainly one of the greatest players of all time, the greatest winner of all time, yeah. arguably in any sport yeah. transcended basketball with what he did for, you know, black America and all of that being, as you said, the first black coach to win an NBA title, all that he did outside of basketball as well, he could play. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Plus, the other thing is, um, you know, a team that could use him right now is the Toronto Raptors. Uh, It fits their their mold perfectly. Not incredibly tall, but could be their starting center for them right now. And the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets could really use him as well. Um, Next on our list, we're moving away from the Bills, but it's still a guy in the 70s. Uh, If everyone was watching his highlights probably today, I mean, there's the historic over 60-point game that he had on this day, whatever year in the 70s, but Pete Maravich. Um, Pete Maravich was one of the best playmakers of the 70s, best scorers, but one of the best non-winners in NBA history. Never won a title. One of those crazy like guys who never won a title, whether it was for the Hawks or the Jazz. Aaron, could Pete Maravich play in today's NBA? I think he could. Um, I don't think he'd be as prolific of a scorer. He, but he does live in an era of the NBA now where the mid-range is becoming cool again. Yep. And he was a great mid-range shooter. I mean, there was no three-point range back then. He did shoot some shots from where the three-point line would have been. But because of that, he lived in what is the mid-range today. And mm-hmm. he was a crafty finisher who hit fadeaway jumpers, could shoot over two defenders at that time. He wasn't the bulkiest of guys, wasn't the strongest of guys, but he was crafty. He had a great handle, great contested shooting ability. I think, you know, he's not going to be the top scorer as he was on teams back then. He's not, maybe not even the second best scorer on teams today, but he could get you a 15 a night. Uh, being that fifth guy or maybe a sixth guy off the bench. He could be a very successful scorer today. And I think he could even have the ability to just make his game into be a catch and shoot three guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was that good of a shooter. He could easily extend his range out and really hone his craft as a three-point shooter. I mean, I, I think his scoring ability back then shows how great of a player he was back when basically no, he wasn't taking a lot of free throws either. Like a lot of that was just buckets he's getting yeah um and he got to the line maybe two or three times in that highlight we watched today from a 68 point performance and there's no three-point line and there's no three-point no three-point line for pete uh, Pete maravich i so i don't here's where i will say i don't think he'll start i think he's your sixth man 
can't say he'll start in today's NBA game, but he ha- he can be that energy boost off the bench, kind of like a Jordan Clarkson, hmm. like a Jordan Clarkson Carson S kind of player. I don't know why we're choosing jazz players just to talk about the maybe entire. a JJ Redick, a little better version of JJ Redick because hmm. he was the father of ball handling. Pete Maravich is the father of ball handling and kind of what like any creative moves that any guy was doing back in the seventies was done by Pete Maravich. If it was not Bob Cousy, possibly like a, a Lou Williams or a Jay crossover. Jamal, that was Jamal what I was Crawford. Just, Jamal Crawford was going to be my guy. I kind of compared him to uh, a lesser, a less quick version of him, but still be a guy who could hit your clutch shots. He will play your closing minutes though. Yep. He's going to come in for your two guard and he could be the guy that would replace Grayson Allen in a, in right. a lineup at the end of games because he could create his own kind of shot. Um, his defense would be something that I'd worry about a little bit, but whenever you, if you surround him with enough wings on the defensive end and like to make sure that he could be your guy that could still create something on offense, like you said, one of the better shot makers over oh, when it comes to any contested shot uh, in NBA history. So I completely agree with you when it comes to that. Well, let's flip to a guy that we're maybe a little less certain can play in today's NBA match. I'll kick it to you. James Worthy. James Worthy. James Worthy. Um, so uh, people are going to hate me, and I'm so sorry, Lakers fans. I don't think he'll start in today's NBA. I don't think he could start in today's NBA. He's a very good finisher. One of the best, I mean, one of the best dunk, I mean, dun- in-game dunkers we had, especially in the late 80s, early 90s, um, and a very good defender. Could not shoot worth a damn could not shoot and that's what like makes me worry about in today's nba if you're going to be a wing he could be a very much of a bruce brown but a better version of bruce brown and i don't want to say james worthy is a bruce brown by any means but james worthy is a better version of bruce brown bruce brown if you watch james worthy highlights you're never going to see him making a uh, a long distance jump shot it's and it's very rarely a mid-range jump shot it's an in-close jump shot and if, it, if it's not a layup or anything like that the reason he got he got the notability he did was because he was playing and because he, he was the third best player on any of the championship teams they had in the Lakers because he was behind Kareem and Magic on any of those teams. Um, I don't think he could be a starter in today's NBA because he he would come off the bench, be a very much of a great defender to throw at anyone you could throw and he would be a good finisher. He's not going to create his own kind of shot though, and it's going to have to be a very much of a a a determined all right let's get him as something in the post and make something happen from there could you see him as like very poor man's Giannis where he's just this freak athlete could play great defense but isn't a great shooter now Giannis is probably even a better shooter than James Worthy is even though now he's going one for six and shooting terrible threes and every now and then though he hits a great mid-range he has a good back to the basket fadeaway game Giannis does but do you think he could maybe play that role where, I mean, Giannis, they built a team around that type of guy where he's that athletic. He's just that bruising in the post and driving and dunking over people. You know what team I think he'd be perfect on is the heat. The mm. heat we could use a guy like, I mean, just like another, like he'd be the guy off the bench who come in and replace PJ Tucker. Like, and it, it would be a little less shooting version of PJ Tucker. And so it'd be, but he's a better finisher than PJ Tucker, but both bring the same kind of mentality of like, let's be a bulldog and like defend anyone down low. Um, that's the kind of guy, but I, I, I can see he's a very much of a lesser version of Giannis. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Um, if Giannis is your a version and of it, and he could be your B minus version of Giannis. And I'm sorry to any Lakers fans, but I also, you Lakers but so that's kind of where I'm at um but sticking to a guy who was going up against James Worthy in some finals Isaiah Thomas and the big 
the the man the big little big man with a sorry a little man with a big heart uh, on those Pistons teams Aaron Carter Isaiah Thomas Isaiah Thomas I I love Isaiah Thomas's game um he's a fan I mean one of the best defenders at the point guard position fantastic floor general could score in the paint decent jumper um I I I do think he could play in today's NBA he's an interesting fit because the traditional point guard has sort of gone away. Mm-hmm. And you're requiring more on just pure shooting ability. Right. But I think he gives you an element of toughness, defensive toughness, sort of like a small guy version of a Draymond Green uh, Mm. with a better shooter. But he's sort of that integral part of your offense where he's setting up other guys. He's playing fantastic defense. He is that motivator for your team. Um, I mean, I, I, I do think he could play in today's NBA just given his mentality um, but again, his shooting ability maybe is leaves something to be desired. So, in his career, he shot at twenty nine percent from three, um, and makes sense. Two uh, K loves to like bounce up some numbers on some guys, and he's like an A A minus on three point shot, if I remember correctly. The difference is, you know, whenever they were winning championships, he was on average under twenty points a game. And people, I want to say this now, Isaiah Thomas is my second best point guard of all time, or third best point guard of all time behind Steph and Magic Johnson. Um, Isaiah Thomas had that same thing as Bill Russell, had that it like mentality of like, I know what I need to do to get my, uh, to make my team better. He knew he, he didn't have to be the number one scorer. They were the first team to win a title to not have a 20 point score on their team. And it was uh, post 1980. And so it was incredible because they had no one over averaging over 20 points on that team during the regular season, but he was their best guy they could go to in those games because he was their guy. They trust down the trust in the clutch trust in the last two minutes of any game because they knew they get him the ball and he could create any kind of shot. What he was most important for was just how well he, like you said, defensively and also creating plays for his teammates. And especially on a team like that, who was not, that was not averaging many points. You get him on a team that could, was a, with some offensive firepower, some a lot better scores with him. That makes it so much more fun to watch him. It, he does bring a defensive also IQ and one of the best basketball IQs, not coaching IQs, basketball IQs, like on the floor. Yes. Coaching IQs. That's a totally different conversation. Interesting parallel to today's NBA. Drew Holiday. I like that. He's maybe the fourth best scorer on a team. Maybe that. the third, unless Bobby Portis is hot. Right. Fantastic defense. Sets that. up his teammates. He has that grit mentality. I think he's a more vocal version of Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. Maybe a bit better passer and distributor. A little less rebounding. And less rebounding. But I, I kind of, I think he could play that role. And, and I think even the Bucks would maybe be a bit better. But uh, <laughs> on that team with, of a guy who's like six foot nine, six foot ten, who's a freak athlete. You have surround him with shooters, and you maybe have one guy who's a traditional five, but he plays that ball distributor, floor general guy who just is a pure defender, hits a three for you every once in a while, can do mid range, and a great passer. I love that parallel. Thank you so much for that. I, I think that's a great comparison to today's NBA is Drew Holiday. Um, I like that a lot. Thank you. Another guy moving on. That is very well known due to the Jordan documentary that came out recently is Dennis Rodman. Mm. Can Dennis Rodman play in today's NBA? So 
I think he's along the same lines for me as James Worthy. He can't be the starter on your team, but he can be that guy who comes off the bench, is your energy boost, but not in the scoring way that Pete Maravich would be. It'd be that energy boost like, okay, I'm going to go grab every MF or rebound for any on this floor right now. I'm going to go play defense and going to go guard the best guy for a hot 20 for a hot 20 minutes this entire game and make sure he does not get up a single shot. He is Pre post nineteen eighty, he's the best defensive, uh, best rebounder in the NBA. You this so discounting Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell, he's the best rebounder. I mean, stats might not show it, but he is, but he is the best rebounder in the NBA because of just how well he could do it. Um, he had those weird years with the Mavs and the Spurs that kind of downtick his numbers a little bit. But those years when he was with the Pistons and those years when he was with the Bulls, the man was ridiculous. So I think he'd be a great. Not starter, but a good guy to have come off the bench as your rebounder, as your like big, small ball big man if you need him to be. Yeah, he just has no scoring ability. That's what, so, and we and we and two K does personifies that perfectly. He can't even make a layup. Like he gets an offensive rebound and he just can't make a layup over anybody. And 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 if you watch any, I've watched way too many like historic Bulls and Pistons games watching him, and it's it's very true. Pistons, uh, Pistons, Dennis Robin was in a great driver to go to the hole really well, but Bulls version of him could not, could not, it was only offensive putbacks. Also, I want to just say this. The man also shot way too many threes when he was on the Bulls. If anyone watches any Bulls highlights and sees a guy with colored hair shooting ball, it's it's because it's Dennis Rodman weirdly shooting like three threes in a game. And I'm just baffled by that. But that's just a wholly different thing. His shot IQ might be the one thing that worries me about just how we'd play in today's NBA. Mm-hmm. You'd also have to have him in the perfect situation with the right coach. And that's yep. that's why he was so successful in, in the NBA back in the 80s and the 90s. He would be a he could be a locker room cancer, and he also would need to have the right coach on your t- as uh, facilitating it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a coach that could maybe handle it today. Pop would be the only guy. Popovich, I I would maybe think about Monty Williams. Would Nick Nurse? Nick Nurse possibly. Budenholzer, I don't think could. Nope, Budenholzer would get ran over. Uh, I think Steve Kerr did a similar effect, couldn't handle it, albeit he's handling Draymond Green now. I think Draymond Green is a much tamer version, though. Spolstra. Eric Spolstra could. I mean, he handled all those like heat teams. Guys who would clash with, Doc Rivers. Brutal. Wouldn't be able to happen. Um, trying to think of other guys. Steve Nash would probably just I don't crinkle think under it, that. It would be, it'd be a terrible situation there. Uh, Quinn Snyder. Interesting. I'm not sure. I, I don't think he has a big enough personality to be able to say that that's right fair. now. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert have their issues in they've largely, I mean, that's why that team would be that, that team would be like yeah. just ripped apart by Dennis Rodman. Yeah. It, it'd be, a, you, you're right though. You have to, I mean, you have the Zen master and uh, Chuck Daly, right. Um, in, in Detroit. And he said Daly was his favorite coach of all time. It's like a dad to him. Yeah. And I mean, those two types of guys are very different in their approach. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you can, you can see how it really depends on the type of coach that really works with him. I think it's just really about understanding who he is and taking the time to understand who he is as a person and also letting him do his thing and giving him a bit of freedom. Tyloo. It could work. I, I think I, that I, see I, it. I, and I think that would be the only difference for that Clippers team though. Yeah, such a quiet leader in Kawhi and yeah. Paul George. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think the coach works there. The players in the situation might not. That would be because we've had a lot of debate about their ability to really rally and 
you know, pick yourself off the ground and win a tight game in the playoffs. And they haven't really been able to do that. Albeit they came back against the Mavs last year and the jazz. Um, but be a perfect small big for them. It would work well with that team composition from a skill standpoint, but maybe mentally, mentally, maybe not. I think in a way he's like a dream on green today where in essence, he's kind of like an oversized four Mm -hmm. and undersized five. He just needs to be a better ball handler to have that comparison, but similar shooting ability. Sometimes you see Draymond green shooting threes and you're not sure what's happening, but he's just forced to do it based on how open he is. And based on where the shot clock is probably ticking down. Um, I, I do think he played today's NBA. I find it hard to believe he's a starter. I agree with you. All right, cool. We're on the same page on that one, too. Just a fun one. Russell Westbrook. Good Lord. NBA 75. Can he play in today's NBA? Uh, I think he could start in, like, the early 2000s. If uh, since, we're, since he's playing now, I think we play the game of what decade would Russell Westbrook be the best in. And I think late 90s, early 2000s would be the perfect for Russell Westbrook. Tim Duncan. Well, Tim Duncan could play in today's NBA. He'd be a big – he'd just be the center of a team in today's yep. NBA. Yeah, because he always played the four pretty much, and they had this weird five rotation of a Tiago splitter. Or... I mean, when David Robinson was right. there, that would made a little bit more sense. But then, like, early on, like, in the Pistons, like, when they were playing the Pistons, like, in the 20 – like, early 20, 2000s, like, that was such a weird team because it was um, – They had um, Nazar Muhammad. Antonio McDice was their other center that they threw out there, which was – wild to me but i mean yeah they also would. went against the pistons team that uh, ben wallace and Rasheed wallace quite the big man pairing well yeah because ben wallace was guarding him most of the series and it was literally what don't go watch that finals i just wanted I i'm sorry because it's literally just okay pass it down to Rasheed wallace in the post go do your thing pass it down to tim duncan in the post go do your thing and it's yeah. so low scoring it's like games in the 80s it's yeah. just brutal hard-nosed basketball which i i was into and i was interested because i'm a huge chauncey guy so I, I wanted to see Chauncey Bill play well, and he, he did play well. Yeah, there, it was literally the ta- the tale of, okay, Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, and Rasheed Wallace against Manu, Tony, and and uh, Tim Duncan. Who, which of these trip these three trios could score more points at that point? So mm-hmm. um, I spent way too much time watching that series. That's another thing that's nice about NBA TV. You can go back and watch that series. I recommend it to no one to go back and watch that series. Um, but yeah, that's kind of – what we're thinking for the segment, we'll probably do it again because honestly, it's just cool to just talk about uh, these different players. We might come back with a more uh, a less known list next time, or uh, of guys who will be a little less known to people. Not going to go into the how Greers of the world or anything like that, but like the Spencer Haywoods and the Bob McAdoo's and those kind of George Mike and George Mike and God, maybe he. I'm letting you know, <laughs> pre uh, just a preview of that. Not making the NBA today, um, but I are not starting today's NBA. Uh, He's the definition of a today Tiago splitter, I think, in my mind. Um, played for the Chicago American Gears. Also played for the, uh, the Minneapolis Lakers. Lakers. Yep, that's where he is most known for. So I, wow. uh, yeah. How tall is George Mikan? Had to be like 6'9 or 10. 6'10. Yeah. And you go. said he was the tallest player in the NBA at that time. Had to have been. And now you probably have 20, 30 players taller than him in today's NBA. Yeah. So and- right there, probably can't play considering his major uh, advantage was that he was tall. Yeah, that was, that <laughs> was the only difference in, in that game. So um, we'll, we'll be back with this segment. I love this. I, I love as a history nerd, when it comes to the NBA, I love this kind of stuff. So we'll probably bring it back uh, later on this year. Uh, but when we, we're actually going to take another break and we're going to come back with some cereal and Bruce. 
We are back with some cereal and brews. Um, no cereal tonight. We actually uh, just made some eggs. I made them. I want it to be known that like the one thing I can make, two things you need to know about Mitchell Cell. Can't cook very well and will wash your dishes if uh, just to ba- boost up my bachelor uh, uh, resume at this point. Um, but the thing I can cook, I can cook breakfast and cook it well. Well, actually, I guess Aaron will have to kind of no, speak to that. Great eggs. We used some leftover chicken courtesy of Evan Cell yesterday, which is fantastic. Yep. Uh, Love a good egg scramble. I think that's probably my go-to meal. Typically, I'm like a yogurt and granola guy if it's not mm. that or just no breakfast and mm. skipping straight to lunch yep. and just rolling off of coffee. But yes, thank you. Very, yep. very hospitable of you. Well, you know, I try. Well, also, uh, shout out to Rachel Ott, Evan's girlfriend, who also like was super helpful with the uh, creation of all the food yesterday. So uh, Aaron and Aaron came in town for the weekend. It was a nice chill weekend. It was not as chill in the city of St. Louis due to Mardi Gras festivities. Um, I, I'm so happy if we didn't go out after, after all the craziness i saw like going on. Although we did miss out on Shaq being in town. Yeah, we should, we should have probably done that. that for, the, just, just for the podcast content alone. It would have been $200 to go see Shaq yeah, though. That would have been. I'm no. not, not that much into EDM. One of my friends got to be the photographer at that, at that, at that show, like was like behind Shaq the entire day, like taking photos of it. And it looked ridiculous, but also would not have been our, our kind of scene. But we did go out on to Westport social, which I thought was a, a fun location. And the sightseeing there was very interesting. The sightseeing of the 40 year old generation. Uh, that if, if 40, maybe 50. Might have been 50. It was had to have been some workout. Yeah. Had to have been because Evan, I mean, I had never been there before. I'm from like St. Louis, but I've never, I don't really go out in St. Louis. The place I've gone out to were mostly in Columbia. Um, so I, I haven't really been out in St. Louis all that much. So Evan telling us that Westport Social had never been more packed was wild. So it had to have been some work work festivity going on there. But it was an interesting night to start it all off. If it was a work festivity, I wouldn't want to be at the office on Monday because there are some some people acting a fool, ruining relationships. I mean, we saw Evan and Mitchell were at the bar and there were three guys arguing. Um, There were women uh slamming glasses and beer bottles on the dance floor post dance after the music had stopped they were like Wild. gathering up in a circle like giggling and then they just chucked glasses on the ground and some poor worker quietly sweeped it away without saying anything mm-hmm. it was i mean it was quite the scene honestly it was funny to see people our age like focusing on the games like on the on the periphery and then there were all the older generation just like drinking and having a great time and it was almost the opposite of what you would expect at most places wow great band great, great band who great band. who matt stevens said no you don't listen to this but i know you were there and you're a great uh backup singer slash uh guitar player for that entire night so i appreciate that um plus there were some fun games i am apparently a god at shuffleboard i i have never played it before in my entire life and me and me and evan oh I guess it was me and Rachel. Wait, who was on? No, you and Evan. It was me and Evan. Whooped you and Rachel. It's true. I was I was not good. But I was good at bocce ball. Which we both we were on the same team for that one, which we were a lot better at that. Um and foosball then, was interesting. Foosball, Johnny Wismiller, my lord, had the most emotion I've ever seen any man have for a, a foosball game. And um it was me and Rachel first, you and Johnny first, and then it was Evan and Johnny took over after uh, after a very what was it, ten to eight match, the first one. 
not sure. 10 to 8, 10 to 7, 10 to 9, one of those. It was very close at the end. And then Evan and Johnny kind of took over that second game and beat me and Rachel fairly, fairly, uh, fairly easily. So, um, yeah. And then a lot of, we apparently broke the foosball table. I don't know how that yeah. happened. Yeah. And w- one thing we didn't get to play, oddly enough, was basketball. There were a few basketball hoops, sort of like a papa shot, except bigger. And there wasn't a counter. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was just looking forward to shooting a few hoops and, it was packed the whole time. Yeah. It was just, there were honestly constant streams of people going to that, which was honestly surprising to me. We made up for it the next morning though. We did. We did. We did. Went to the good old Renaud spirit center, former Mitchell cells uh, workplace as a lifeguard. Don't miss it. Don't miss it in any sort of way. Um, I don't care if you're listening to the Shannon Smallwood. Um, so I, all I'll say is Aaron whooped up on me and Evan the entire day in uh, basketball. Um, I, I had to step out to, I will blame the knee, but it was truly the asthma. So, um, and so that, that kicked in. Um, but I mean, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Finally did the able to shoot hoops, shoot hoops with you. I mean, I don't yep. think I've, I had said, I don't think I'd shot in hoops until since last summer when it was me, you and good friend of the show, Nate Jelnick shot at the lake house uh, out at Innsbruck. So, I mean, it was good to finally be able to do that again. It was a great time. I'm getting warmed up for my uh, season again, starting back at the Chicago League in late March. Um, and I already have two injuries going into the season off of one pickup game. So Madison's sorry. That's going to be pissed at you. <laughs> Madison texted me just, all right, just I'm going to be so mad if you get hurt because somehow my body always just gets hurt playing basketball. And I somehow sprained my shoulder and popped out my hip flexor so here we are popped out that's the best way you could put it to popped out your hip flexor <laughs> yeah it was not not pleasant but i finished the game in stride beat evan um and did some shooting drills after just to get going but yeah it was a great time being out there and we had a good rest of the saturday as well played yeah. some one game that i was incredibly frustrated by Mao, if you've ever played Mao, anyone who's played that let us know and notice of your for your first game frustrations because aaron felt that quickly early on first and second game frustration third game was a little you was got better you got a little better um but we can't talk about the rules of now that's like the one rule you can't do it talk about the can rules. you say the rules i mean they're uh, i guess sure the rule of monk truly ruined aaron and um, i will never become a monk after that were you completely ever scarred i was gonna say well yeah i feel like you were never gonna become a monk anyways eh, who knows you're not a fairly ne- religious person. Never say never, but I'll say never now. Thanks, Mal. <laughs> also can't imagine you with a bald head right in the middle that's there. That, that I would probably opt for the buzz cut. That's fair. That that makes a lot more sense with the buzz cut action. Okay, there we go. That makes sense. And then finished the night off last night with some Amis, uh pizza. I would love you to sponsor us if you could. That'd be fantastic. Um yeah. <laughs> also B Halls, great wings on oh, Friday. Yeah, forgot to mention that. Mitch, uh, for those out listening who know Columbia, Missouri said that they were better than CJ's, which is one of the best wing places I've ever been to. Now it's different because at CJ's, I always had bone in at B halls. I had two baskets of boneless wings of the King wings just went for it. And I loved the King wings. They were great. Um, I, I, it's hard to compare because I hadn't had CJ's in so long, so I'm not going to even right. bother comparing, but B halls was great as well. I also haven't CJ's in a really long time and it would be nice to, I I'm actually heading up to Columbia next weekend. Um, so maybe I'll get some CJ's when I'm up there and Evan and Rachel and I can go up there and see if they're the comparison of it, because originally I had said CJ's were better. And then 
here's i need people to understand the idea of like being able to change your opinion is totally okay and it's it's okay to change your opinion because i have gone back and forth (laughs) about who the heck i think is going to win the nba or it's going to be the nba finals i also have gone back and forth on who the best player in the nba history is whether it's michael or lebron so i think it's okay that i switch up who the heck has the best wings in the entire state of missouri so i think that's totally uh, granted here's what you do okay you head up on friday right i head up on saturday all right, you head up on Saturday. Saturday, as soon as the B Halls opens, CJ's. No, as soon as B Halls opens, oh, sorry. before you leave, since it's so nearby, mm-hmm. you get one basket Lord. of wings. You take it with you, you drop it off in the fridge or wherever you are with, um, or you take it with you straight to CJ's. Lord. And then you get an order of CJ's. Try to get a similar flavor. Mm-hmm. So King Wings, maybe that's tangential to Buffalo. I was gonna say, yeah, it's probably gonna be a little bit more hot. I can't do the Tiger Wings comparison because the Tiger Wings at at C at B Halls are just so different. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a specialty. So and then you get and then you just have them side by side, and you get boneless at CJ's too because you can't really compare bone and boneless. Right. I guess I could get the bone in from B Halls and make it a little easier. True. Um, but yeah, but so. there you go. That's no. that. Monticello was just really providing all the great spots, the schnooks, the, the B halls, and also the Amis pizza. We'd love you for it. And you've been in my life since the age of five. So I thank you so much for that being there right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a great weekend. I mean, you asked for a relaxing weekend. I hopefully that just is what you got. It was a great time. It's great seeing everybody, Ryan, Johnny. It was a pleasure. Obviously the cell family. Fantastic seeing you all. Thanks for having me, Evan. Rachel, hope your uh, final semesters of school. Actually, Rachel, you, you got some more time, but yeah, <laughs> uh, Evan, good luck in your final semester. Looking forward to seeing what you do post grad. Yeah, it was fantastic being here, man. You're always welcome in the cell household, so and you know that. So um, it's always a blast having being able to do these in person. So we're thankful for the opportunity to do that. And the next one we'll probably do in person. Probably won't be till maybe even May or the summer. Or I guess you're coming in April. Yes. You're coming in April for Allie's birthday. So maybe we'll be able to do one then when you're here in person. That'll be pre-NBA finals lead up. That will be almost NBA playoffs. So that'll be perfect. Playoffs, that's what I mean. Yeah, playoffs. We'll have have the play-in games probably around that time too. So Mm -hmm. that'll be... That'll be perfect timing for that. So what I want to do is give our series by series predictions. Just go through and say, all right, who's going to win this series? We're also going to, we should say, give out some best bets coming up because I did hit a bet on Friday, the next Miami game. Fantastic. Saw that out Westport social while we were uh, yeah. judging and uh, observing others, <laughs> the other horrendous actions at that, as well as the outfit of the lead singer. Good Lord. Um, is that a bandana around his neck? I don't even want to know. It was okay. red, regular red tennis shoes with a weird polo. It was odd and bad jeans, but anyway, bad jeans. Um, great hit. I'm sorry. I didn't give that out on the Twitter, but we will be ramping up our efforts toward the playoffs. Looking forward to, that as well but yeah we'll, we'll make sure to do that in person because here's the deal i i like to pride myself on two things when it comes to nba nba history especially with the, kid, the guys our generation and our age and also just my playoff productions because i want it to be known that i had the entire playoff predicted correctly correctly outside of the um what was the outside of the Hawks making it as far mm. as they did? I had them losing in the second round to the Sixers. I had them beating the Knicks even after the Knicks got all the hype. But the only thing I really missed out on was the Hawks making it as far. Did as you have did. Nuggets over Blazers? Because I I didn't. I had the Nuggets over the Blazers, right. but I did not have. I also didn't have um, Suns over Lakers. I also didn't have the Jazz over the Clippers. Oh, okay, that was the only other one I missed because I had the I had the Suns Jazz in the Western Conference Finals, which. 
granted yeah make i mean it's very basic but here we are um but yeah aaron like i said it's always a blast having you in here but it also thank you so all so all thank you all for listening to today's episode uh the hoopers almanac we're so blessed by you guys and thank you so much uh if you're follow, if you aren't following us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter. We're at Hooper's Almanac there. Uh, you also can follow Aaron at Aaron Carter underscore underscore. Yeah, there's like Aaron underscore. I think there's two or three in there. So just play with it. Play around with it. You also <laughs> can follow me at Mitch underscore the underscore quick. I hate my high school Mitch self. Mitch the not so quick. Not anymore. After the knee surgery. Not <laughs> you need so to edit your handle. I'm and, pretty sure that's not taken. <laughs> thank you for that and then uh like i said just follow us at hoopers almanac on twitter if you're not if you're not following us on spotify i don't i really don't know what you're doing at this point because that's when you can really find out if when we have new episodes uh we've been having a weird schedule whether it be a like the random deadline podcast that came out monday or tuesday or then we also have some that came out on a saturday we had one that came out on monday uh and so yeah it's just always nice to know whenever a new episode's coming out so follow us also have the notifications turned on so that way you can know where when a new episode is coming out um thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and yeah just thank you so much for a great weekend and go nuggets nine and zero, undefeated in the boogie cousins era baby oh my lord and yeah thank you so much guys have a good one